Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Hacking HR podcast, the show where we talk about the amazing future of human resources and all things at the intersection of future of work, technology, innovation, organizations, transformation, and people. At Hacking HR, we believe that human resources can become the most important trailblazer, leading people and organizations successfully and effectively into the new reality of work and life. To do that, we must rise to the challenges of our times, shoot for the stars, and achieve our fantastic potential. During this show, we discuss ideas, insights, data, experiences, stories, and anything else that can contribute to helping you become and be a better HR leader and practitioner. Thank you so much for joining us today and enjoy the show. So I believe there are going to be the following shifts. You know, humans are humans. So it's not that humans' behavior is going to change, but we are going to basically do more of certain things. We're going to do less of certain things. We're going to start doing certain things and stop doing certain things. So, you know, human beings basically always are looking for love. Human beings always like to learn and human beings want to deal with loss. That doesn't change. Okay. So what is different is the following. Uh, from a perspective of society, of, of human beings, people are going to look for safety, mm. security, and they're going to look at how companies are dealing with society. So they're going to basically say making money as a company is not enough if you basically are also hurting climate, not looking after your employees, etc. Richard is an author, speaker, and advisor who helps people see, feel, and think differently about how to grow their business, their teams, and themselves. His best-selling book, Restoring the Soul of Business, Staying Human in the Age of Data, was published in January 2020 by HarperCollins. For nearly four decades, Richard worked at the 80,000 People Publicist Group, where he remains an advisor, most recently as its Chief Strategist and Chief Growth Officer. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another podcast episode of the podcast of Hacking HR. I am so glad to have Rishad with me today. How are you, Rishad? Excellent. Thank you. Glad to be on the show. You know, it's, uh, it's interesting that we, when we meet in person, just with the friends, we ask, like, you know, how are you doing? How are things going? But now I think that a lot of people are starting their conversations with, how are you? Are you safe? Are you healthy? Is everything going all right? You know, it's... Uh, it's the, it's the change of human behaviors, right? Absolutely. This uh, COVID-19 has changed behaviors, and I truly believe it is going to be long-standing changes. Because one of the things I've said is if someone starts or stops doing something for 60 to 90 days, new habits are created. Yeah. So a lot of people who basically say, well, you know, 9-11, 2008, 2009, everything recovered. I said, no, there are three key differences here. One is it's 60 to 90 days of new behavior. Second, this is completely global. And third, we have 20 years of advance in technology from 9-11. Yeah. So as a result, we are going to basically see the reconfiguring and the reinvention of society. And, and I can't wait to talk about all those things. But let me just dig a little deeper into what you just said uh, when it comes to changing uh, the, ch the changes in human behaviors. Yes. What do you think will be different in the next, uh, you know, in terms of human behaviors, what do you think will be different in the next couple of years, five years versus what it was right before the pandemic or, you know, for a period of time before the pandemic? So what do you think it's going to be different? 
So I believe there are going to be the following shifts. You know, humans are humans. So it's not that humans' behavior is going to change, but we are going to basically do more of certain things. We're going to do less of certain things. We're going to start doing certain things and stop doing certain things. So, you know, human beings basically always are looking for love. Human beings always like to learn and human beings want to deal with loss. That doesn't change, okay? So what is different is the following. Uh, from a perspective of society, of, of human beings, people are gonna look for safety, mm. security, and they're gonna look at how companies are dealing with society. So they're gonna basically say making money as a company is not enough if you basically are also hurting climate, not looking after your employees, etc. So they're gonna look for safety. Am I feeling safe? Am I secure both financially, health insurance, etc. and and uh, how you're treating society. Uh, so that's human beings. Businesses are going to change pretty dramatically in that they're going to watch their balance sheets. You're going to basically see people basically, like all the banks right now are basically writing off a lot of costs. So there'll be balance sheets, both personal balance sheets and business balance sheets. You're going to have many more supply chains. They're going to basically ask for more resilience. And then overall from, you know, uh, a society perspective, I think you're, you're going to see is universal healthcare. You're going to see higher taxes, and you're going to see stronger unions. What do you think about universal basic income? I believe that we are already doing that, and it works. Because one of the reasons why this particular pandemic's effects have not been as dramatic as possible is we have actually provided universal basic income. Yeah. Uh, it's not been well distributed enough, but to a great extent. A lot of people who took unemployment insurance along with the supplement of $600, right, have actually doing better than when they were, when they were working. Yeah. And so to, which basically doesn't say that we're giving too much money just as they weren't being paid enough. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. And I, right. and, I, and I love that you're saying that because, uh, you know, this, this can't be a, a a partisan conversation. It has to be a conversation about the future of humanity because, well, you it, know. It is, it is about the future of humanity and the, 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 the real divides that really exist are not the fake divides that are basically made. You know, these are fake divides that we find that's enjoyable and entertaining, but it's pretty stupid. Yeah. So that, you know, the divide between are you for Trump or are you for Biden? Are you, you know, blue or, you know, red? Uh, those are not the real divides. The real divides are the, 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 the divides are this. There are groups of people who are being significantly left behind and yeah. they are increasingly the groups of people you have to worry about. So number one is old people. We're all going to grow old, yeah. right? Uh, so let's be careful. Young people, when young people don't have a future, when they have college debt, they can't get jobs, they can't get insurance, that's an issue. Yeah. Minorities of every sort who are poor. Now, it just so happens that there are more people who are African-American who are poor than the rest of the population, but there are a lot of people who are Hispanic, white, and to a certain lesser extent, Asians. Those are the real divides. So people are actually trying to divide us in ways where we actually don't see the truth. Yeah. Right. And the truth is we have to think about humans. We have to think about people. We have to think about society. We're living in a connected world. It's one of the reasons why, interestingly, which parts of the world, regardless of the type of government they have, have recovered better yeah. from COVID-19 than the rest of the world? It's the Asian countries, yeah. right? And there are Asian countries, they're like Vietnam, Singapore, China, Hong Kong, 
these are all different countries and all these different countries have different personalities who leave them different behaviors but guess what's connected these are countries that believe that they are interconnected that yeah. society and family is as important as the individual i i love that and i'm going to add one word that i know you love and it's the word of soul yes and i want to dig into this idea of Uh, the the restoration, like you call it yes. in your book, restoring the soul of the businesses of organizations. Yes. Uh, what, what when did we lose it? When did we lose that soul, if you will, and and how do we recover it or restore it? So you know, uh, I, I'm, by restoring, I think if you dial it back, we haven't gone to zero on soul, but we've yeah. sort of become less and less. So it's not like people don't have soul. So uh, one of the things that there are two things that began to happen. When you fixate on what I call the spreadsheet, so in any way you run your life, you run your business, you run anything, just yourself, even if you're not working in a company, you're just yourself. There are two parts of you. You know, some people call it left brain, right brain. I call it spreadsheet and story. Okay. <laughs> so spreadsheet is basically the math of your life. Okay. And the math of your life is your income and a whole bunch of other things, right? Uh, how fast you run, how tall you are. It's the math of your life. And then there is the story of the, your life. And the story of the life is, you know, your relationships, your cultures, your friends, where you came from, where you're going, what drives you, your desires. Soul is when you integrate those two well. It isn't like it's all story or it's all spreadsheet. It's when you integrate them. What began to happen is in a culture where we basically had distanced ourselves from our real selves. So what we project, for instance, on social media and what is projected to us is not real often, right? We are not as authentic because we are actually acting. We're on a stage. Yeah. Uh, so there's that one divide. The other divide is companies are making lots of money through data. So everybody said that's become data driven. Then there was a short term basis where we worship money and we worship fame and we worship social you know, follow account. So all of these numerics are external to your story. They're all basically about the spreadsheet. When you tilt so much towards your spreadsheet, you lose your sense of identity. Mm. You lose your sense of self. You lose your sense of understanding that the only thing that's actually important in the world is time. You let people basically colonize your mind. You let people mm. take away your time. And in effect, you basically suddenly wake up one day and you're dead and decrepit. No pile of money is going to be in your grave and none of your friends and followers will be tweeting about you. So wake up and get some soul. <laughs> Love it. How does it look for, I, I, I understand of course how it may look for an individual. How does yeah. it look to, to recover that story, that soul for an, for an organization, for a business? So the single most important thing that a business needs to do to recover its soul is to make sure that it looks after its employees. Okay, I truly believe that when they talk about stakeholders and there are, you know, at least four stakeholders, you know, a stakeholder happens to be your customers or consumers, a stakeholder happens to be your suppliers, a stakeholder happens to be um, your shareholders, right? Yeah. Uh, and then probably your community. But I believe the single most important stakeholder are your employees, mm -hmm. because a company can only be better if its people get better, right? 
And so don't tell me about values and purpose if you can't look after employees. So the first thing is, can you make sure that you're doing the following things for your employees? Making sure, A, that they have health insurance. Making sure they have a living wage. Making sure they get trained so they can basically increase their skill sets. Making sure you have a culture that allows them to speak up and also to feel safe. That's the most important thing people can do. That's number one. Number two is leadership, a new form of leadership. And I've, in my book, I talk about leading with soul. But there are five characteristics of leaders who have soul. The first one, interestingly, is capability. You can't actually have soul if you don't know what you're doing, right? Yeah. The president of the United States is not a doctor. That's why he says drink Lysol. Okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, he shouldn't be talking about stuff he doesn't understand. So one yeah. is capability. That's number yeah. one. Second is integrity. Integrity is can I trust you? Do you use data? Do you use reality? Do you use truth? You know, in the United States, we have 30 to 40 percent of the United States still believes a disease that is killing people has killed already 130,000 people. 3.5 million people have it is fake. Right. Yeah. Here's what I believe. Facts are real things. Reality yeah. has a habit of breaking in. So that's integrity. Third is empathy. Thinking about other people. Vulnerability. Understanding that you can be wrong. And finally, inspiring people. So, you know. In order to do that, you have to start with employees and then think about society and companies that do that. Interestingly, whether it's Salesforce, whether it's Adobe, you know, whether it's Chipotle, whether it's uh, Pixar, right? Whether it's Southwest Airlines, whether it's Costco, do better in the following three ways. Better customers, less employee churn, higher stock price. So in effect, if you pursue soul, you actually you get market capitalization. If you pursue market capitalization, you get Wells Fargo, opening fake accounts, death mm -hmm. and destruction. You basically get Boeing, lies about 737 max, right? Pursue soul, you'll be happy and you'll make money. Pursue money, you'll have no soul and you'll be unhappy. Love that, uh, such a powerful, philosophy for organizations, especially in these times where we're dealing with a lot of societal problems that are complex, common to all of us in the world. And I'm, 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 I'm very excited to see that so many more companies, private companies are taking a harder and yes. a stronger social stance in the face of racism or in the face of climate change. You know, when, when the United States, this government, withdrew America from the Paris um, Agreement. A lot of companies and state and local governments saying, we are going to continue to meet the, uh, the agreement because that's the right thing to do. Um, so, you know, I, I think we are, do you think we are in a transition period to uh, into sort of towards the point of getting that soul back in organizations? Yes, yes. So I, I really do believe it. You know, there's a, there's a book called Factfulness, uh, by Rosling and another book called Enlightenment, Enlightenment Now by Steven Pinker, yeah. uh, who basically sort of shows that over the years, the world has got better. And you know, sometimes when you read the headlines, you can get really scared and there are some real, real bad challenges happening. But if you sort of think about it, you know, to a great extent, the world is getting better and I'm actually very positive for the future. And I'm positive for the future for three simple reasons. I'm positive for the future because if you notice, young people actually 
right? You know, people make fun of young people saying that they are woke. I basically think that a lot of people are asleep and they just happen to be not asleep. So it's not yeah. like they are woke. Some of us may have fallen asleep, which is, which, 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 which is number one. So I'm very, uh, and you know, when you even saw on the Black Lives Matter, the people who were out on the streets were, a lot of them were basically young people because actually the millennial generation in the United States is Caucasian minority, yeah. the entire generation. So I'm feeling very positive about that. I'm feeling very positive about that science and facts will actually win. Uh, that for regardless of all this crazy about should you wear a mask or not wear a mask, all around the world, people are working very hard at a vaccine, uh, you know, which I think is, is extremely important. I think modern technology, while it happens to have some drawbacks, is much better. I much prefer a world with a mobile phone, with Amazon, with Google, and with Netflix than a world without it. Yeah. Okay. So I think we're going to get better and we're going to get back. So now what I do believe is sometimes when you are seeing the end of an era and the start of a new era, the end of the era does not go quietly, right? It goes with noise yeah. and it goes with, you know, pandemonium. And what you're basically seeing, and at least, you know, I anticipate unless something dramatically different happens, we will have a new president in the United States and we'll be back to the Paris Accords. We'll be back into NATO, right? We'll be back into sensibility. And just like the Chinese said, you know, for 150 years, it was a silly phase they went through and then they're back. I think what we'll begin to realize is a lot of the Western world will realize it's a silly phase they went through and yeah. they're going to basically be back. Because the world, unfortunately, whether you like it or not, as I say, the future doesn't fit in the containers of the past. The world has basically grown ahead of its leadership. So we need a new generation of leadership. You see that new generation of leadership. And I'm not talking about age. It could be mindset. You know, so you can point to like, okay, New Zealand, right? Young leader, fantastic. But people will say it's an island. Okay, what about Angela Merkel? Older person, been around Germany. Yeah. Right. Well, well, that's a Western state. Well, what about Vietnam? Zero deaths from COVID-19. So yes. the reality of it is when you basically have blowhard people like our president, the president of Brazil, the, you know, the prime minister of, uh, of uh, the United Kingdom, these are basically entertainers. Yeah. We need leaders. We don't yeah. need entertainers. For entertainers, you go to the movies. Yeah. Right. And when this is life and death, as I basically say, the new slogan is make America well again. Yeah, I, I, I love that you're saying that, Richard. And you rem I, was, I was just uh, smiling before. You reminded me of the book, The Structure of Scientific Revolutions by Thomas Kuhn. When, you know, I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to read that book, when, when a system of things, a theory that's not uh, like, that's not contained, it's not the container for the new things anymore, a crisis happens. And that's exactly what, what we're seeing in, in America right now. And probably in a lot of places in the world where, you know, groups of, I see it as groups of power trying to hold us back, you know, to protect some, some interest and, and whatnot. And, and a gigantic group of people, newer generations trying to, you know, move us forward based on science facts and, and yes. whatnot. So and, you know, I often begin presentations to senior folks. This is about, you know, soul and about what people should think about. I said, look, there are three things that are unstoppable. So what I've learned about the future and about strategy is if you want to be successful at strategy, I have a definition of strategy. So most people, 
don't have a definition. So I call it future competitive advantage. So strategy is how do you get yourself or your company or your team to basically be, have a future competitive advantage, which means you need to understand where the future is. You need to understand what customers and competitors are and against them, what advantage will you have, right? Future competitive advantage. And the best strategist in the world was William Shakespeare, who basically <laughs> said, take the current when it serves or prepare to lose thy endeavors, which basically means go with the flow man or go yeah. with the flow woman, right? So there are three trends that are unstoppable. You know, you might think that they're reversed and all oh, these newspapers and magazines think. So I think globalization is unstoppable. Yeah. Okay. Even though there's all these national borders. Well, uh, the national border, by the way, did not stop COVID-19. Yeah. What's very interesting is our friend tries to build a wall you know, <laughs> yeah. in Mexico. The world has built a wall. And has kept us out of the world. Is the other joke way around you, now. My friend, the joke on you, right? Is the other way so, around now. The world. So what basically happens is if you think about the challenges and opportunities of the world, immigration, internet, climate change, disease, they basically are global. You have to have a yeah. connected world. This nationalistic thing is the last blowhard thing of losing yeah. ideologies, right? Yeah. Which will, is obviously very painful. It may last a decade or two. But I truly believe that human beings progress and I'm much more of the belief that life gets better. Obviously there are bad, at any given time for a lot of people, life is really bad, but overall as humanity, it gets yeah. better. That is, that, that is incredible, Richard. And I, I, you know, I, am, I am enjoying this conversation so much and I wanna bring all of what sure. you said into this concept and this idea of reinvention. You have been talking about this is the time of reinvention. Yes. Um, you know, it's, I do understand that for a lot of people, it's very difficult to think what's going to happen in the next 10 years, 15 years, especially when you are in the transition period. So, yes. you know, time is passing and things may be getting better, but you don't see it because you are there. What, what can we expect, you know, out of this time of transition and reinvention, what do you expect the world to be like in the next two to 15 years, you know, what, what, something that people can say, oh, I can touch that. Are we going to have healthcare so, yeah, for everybody? So I would actually start in a very simple way. I would basically tell people, how can they reinvent themselves in the next six months? Yeah. Okay. That seems to be like a, a thing that you can touch. So one of the things that's really interesting is though my book came out in January and it's only five months old, people basically believe that I wrote the book for COVID-19, though I basically <laughs> wrote it some time ago. Because every chapter, like I have chapters on leading with soul, how do you manage distributed workforces? How do you deal with change? All of the things that we're all grappling with, right? So I will revisit the book. And it's one of the reasons why now I have to make it available in all different forms that sells out in countries. Uh, but one of the, the, the key things I start is very simply this. Every single person should recognize that they need to upgrade their mental operating system. That in effect, Let's say, you are, let's say you care about your body, right? So people think about their physical operating system. So what do you do for that? You sleep, yeah. you exercise, and you eat moderately. Yeah. But we don't actually care. We don't make as much of a sense about our mental operating system. So in my mental operating system is, are you learning new things, right? Which is very important. How are you yeah. exercising your mind? What are you putting in your mind? And so I think one is you've got to ask yourself, Spend an hour every day learning new things. Try to build a case for the exact opposite of what you believe, because then your mind will actually be flexible and not be polarized, right? Mm -hmm. Try to do one new thing every day. So those are things you can do to reinvent yourself. 
Because if you are basically a flexible mindset, able to understand other things and having a learning mindset, you are going to potentially succeed. So that's one thing to do. Second is to basically truly think in this six month period or four month period or nine month period, however long it is, ask yourself, what are the things that you were doing that don't make sense doing anymore? Okay. So for instance, I used to travel because of the way I, my business, I would travel 140 flights a year. Okay. Wow. Flight segments, not like round trips, but flight segments, 140. In the beginning of this year, between the last time I flew was March 12th, between January and March 12th, I did 28 flights. Okay. In like eight or 10 weeks. That gives you an idea. My likelihood of flying maybe 10 to 12 times a year is going to be probably the maximum now. So I'll have yeah. cut it by 80 to 90%. Because one is what badness was that? Second, so much of this can be done differently, right? And, and so you've got to ask yourself, what are the things that matter to you? Uh, so a lot of people have begun to realize, why were they spending money? How many clothes did they need? A whole yeah. bunch of other things. So I would say the next thing is, try to make sure that you don't price yourself out of your dream. That's the second one. In addition to reinventing, we all have dreams. We've given up on them because we have pursued a lifestyle that actually is not meaningful. Yeah. Right. And so in many cases, your plan B is actually your plan A. It's yeah. just that you didn't want to do it because you had to make money yeah. for that. So now cut your costs and live a better life. That's sort of the second one. And the third one, which is extremely important if you're a business or a company, is ask yourself three simple questions. How has your customer or consumer changed? Right. And to begin the exercise, think about how you have changed with regard to travel or with food, eating out. Right. Then say, OK, how is my customer consumer changed? Number one. Number two is in the last six months, what have I learned about my company that is strong or weak? <laughs> right. And number three is if I were to start my company all over again today with what I've learned, how customers have changed strong and weak and the fact that there are new technologies coming. You know, one of the key things I mentioned is in 2008, 2009, when we had a big uh, issue with the Great Recession, it was also yeah. when new technologies of mobility and social came. And so General Motors and Ford started still competing with each other, but that's when Uber and Tesla was born. Yeah. You know, Gillette and Schick started competing with each other again, but that's when Dollar Shave Club was born. Yeah. So similarly, you now have a new society, new behaviors, new technologies, Therefore, your com competitors are different. Your customers are different. So think about how you reinvent your business as much as you reinvent yourself. I absolutely love that. I, I, I always talk about a concept that I call mental flexibility. And I'm, you know, I love that you are talking about the same uh, ideas. And to me, mental flexibility is people's capacity to change and to learn. Change yes. when change needs to happen and learn when you need to embrace new skills, capabilities, uh, you know, uh, new ways to do things in order to stay relevant going forward. It, it, and what is tending to happen is one of the reasons my book has been very successful because it's sold and a lot of boardrooms are running, a lot of businesses, so obviously a lot of young students, a lot of people, but boards are reading it because I've related this with increased shareholder value, which yeah. is what they're interested in. So to this idea about mental flexibility, for 10 years, Microsoft stock went nowhere. Four years ago, Satya Nadella came on and he said, we're going to move from a know-it-all mindset to a growth mindset, to a learning mindset, to a learn-it-all mindset. 
He gave everybody, you know, Carol Dweck's book called The Growth Mindset. He said, instead of us competing with each other in stack ranking, we're going to work to, with each other. Instead of thinking about the whole world, looking through windows, I'm going to stop the windows division. I'm going to partner with Linux. Instead of thinking about PCs, I'm going to think about the cloud. Yeah. Stock price is up four and a half, for 450%. Incredible. Incredible, which is a testament that doing the right things for the human has, yes. like you said before, a business impact. One thing is not in contradiction with the other, which is the old, obsolete, and expired way for some business leaders to think. Right. And basically, it's because they are no longer capable of being leaders. So one Correct. of the key things I go to boards and say, either you change or move aside. There's a new world coming. Correct. And let me just tie that to to this last question. I think actually I, I, I should leave the conversation right here because that was so, what you just said at the end was so powerful. But I, I want to tie it back to the, to the role of human resources as a function and to the role of business leaders. Because what happened, using the example of Microsoft, what happened in Microsoft required top leadership to make intentional and deliberate decisions to change the organization. Yes. Uh, the, in, people individually may want to change, but if there's no leadership championing for, for that change, it may take longer or it may, may be more difficult. So in building this uh, or in creating this reinvention and bringing back the soul to businesses, what do you think uh, is the role of HR and business leaders and how, how can they actually operationalize this? How can they make it happen sure. on a day-to-day -day basis? So there, there are three things I would do. First is HR should recognize that they have two functions, right? They have what I call a scalable and legal function, and they have a customized and trading function. So the scalable and legal function is everything that an HR group does to stay on the right side of the law, to make sure you do the appraisals, you have all the diversity. All of that is critically important. But that is scalable, and it is basically of one type. The other is we have to grow talent. So talent requires customized training and looking after. So make sure that an HR department has both those capabilities covered. Most HR departments only do one primarily and don't do the other. And so they sometimes get made fun of, which is not the right thing to do because the most important division I truly believe is the talent that looks after talent. So that's number one. Number two is something what I call the turd on the table. Okay, so the third on the table is a lot of people gather around and they look at something on the table that's warm and brown and moist and they say, okay, that's a brownie. But most of us know it's a piece of shit, right? So one of the things HR has to do is basically be brave enough to tell both themselves and their management, we have an issue here. When HR doesn't speak up, a company gets into deep trouble, mm. right? So you have to figure out how to speak up. And I have in my book on the third on the table, how you can speak truth to power and keep your job, because that's, you know, that, that's very, very important, which is speak up is very extremely important. And the third thing, which is extremely important is understanding that change sucks. Yeah. Okay. The change is very difficult, but while change sucks, irrelevance is even worse. And the only way that change can happen is not through a press release, not through M&A. Change happens when you do the following things, when people change. And how do people change? One is if you communicate why it's good for them. Two, if you incentivize them. You know, people say change, but they incentivize old behaviors. People won't change. And yeah. third, extremely important, is training. Yeah. Those areas of communication, 
incentive plans and training are right in the middle of what HR should be doing. That is, that is amazing. Um, I, I am absolutely in agreement. Rishad, this last question to you uh, to wrap up our conversation. What excites you about the future and what concerns you about the future? So what excites me about the future is that it is extremely um, bright because I'm fascinated by what a truly global next generation world empowered with magical technology will do. So I'm looking forward to that, you know, as long as I live and I'm trying to keep myself living as long as I can. So that is, I'm very, very positive. What I am concerned about, you know, the future is that there may not be enough of a sense of urgency uh, or a sense of reality and that a lot of people may be drugged, not drugged as in having drugs, but they may be mentally drugged because they are being led around by mass social media, which has become extremely weaponized, okay? So I keep asking people, please, please don't spend all your time on social media. I'm a fan of social media, but it can destroy your mind, right? And because increasingly we're living in a world of screens, I sometimes worry that you have to be able to get off the drug to know and feel the pain that you can fix. You're talking, you're talking matrix language in there. Um, you know, yes, uh, <laughs> yes. So basically it's like Wally and matrix. Disconnect yeah. yourself from the matrix or in Wally, stop looking at screens and drinking Diet Coke and getting fat or, yeah. or Coke and getting fat. Let's go. Yeah, absolutely. Richard, thank you so much. This was a very powerful and fascinating conversation. And Well, thank um, you for inviting me. Absolutely. And for everybody restoring uh, the sort of businesses uh, by Richard, I think you should be looking into this book because as you can tell, we got a little bit of it and it's fascinating. Well, yeah, and it's very easy to find. Just type in Richard on Amazon, you'll find it. R-I-S-H-A-D on Amazon. Or you can go to glose.com and that's available electronically everywhere in the world excepting Iran. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Richard. It was fantastic to have you here, and I hope you Perfect. continue to stay safe and well. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking HR community. Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.